This podcast is sponsored by Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits. Guaranteed to blow your head off. I, I mean, really. I've seen it. One sip and boom. I'm not entirely sure I see the point, but they seem quite popular. Anyway, order Borfindel's Dwarf Spirits now at the introductory price of 14 groats per gallon and get a pint of Goblin Spittle for free. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, aka Morris, and uh, with me here is my usual stealthy but nimble compatriot, Peter Coffey. Hi, coming in from Southampton Guild Role Players and also from Huzhou, which is in the uh, Zhejiang province in China. Very exciting. Still in China. Still in China. It's almost like I've planned some sort of long holiday here. Who knew? Anyway, here <laughs> I am. But Russ, you're forgetting, like, we've got some very exciting, very important people with us today. I know. We have some special guests today. Uh-huh. Super special. Would you like to know who they are? I would love to know who they are. Do tell. Okay. Well, we have two freelancers extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is uh, Darren Pierce. Darren, say hello. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Darren Pierce. I write role-playing games. I've written role-playing games for 19 years, and I've worked on Lone Wolf. I've worked on Doctor Who for Cubicle 7. Fantastic. And Andrew Peregrine. Hello. Yes, I'm Andy Peregrine. I'm, like Darren, a role-playing freelancer. I've done all kinds of bits to all over the place in the same way, mostly Doctor Who, a bit of White Wolf, a bit of Firefly. Okay, so this is the first time we've tried a sort of four-person chat here, so apologies to the listeners if this all goes hideously wrong. But let's start as normal. Peter? Yes. Yeah, what has caught your eyes in RPGs this week? RPGs, not so much. The thing that I've been quite intrigued by is there's a a series I've seen called Outcast Revolution, which is ripe for conversion into RPG, in my opinion. Um, It's by a friend of mine, a chap called Andy Irving. You can find it on tapos.io. An outcast is spelt with an E. uh, And it's like, it's a a work in progress, but I've been enjoying reading it uh, and certainly enjoying... Uh, I certainly intend to find the audiobooks once he puts them up and listen to them because uh, he's got quite a, quite a good speaking voice as well. So, Darren, uh, could you tell us what you've uh, what you've spotted in RPGs in the last week? What's caught your eye? I think it's the same thing that's caught my eye for the last few weeks, which is the right. new Warhammer 40k RPG, yeah. Wrath and Glory. Um, I was going to talk about Warhammer 4th, but I've got a feeling that a certain Mr. Peregrine would like to talk about that, so... I'm thinking Wrath and Glory is caught. So you let him have that one. Oh, I right? had a whole list of things. <laughs> yeah, I'll, let, I'll, I'll be kind and let Andy have that one. Uh, yeah, so, how, so how are you finding the 40K? I'm very interested because I, I run a lot of Dark Heresy. And mm. um, I've nice. always been a fan of... But when, when Dark Heresy ended up coming out through Fantasy Flight Games, mm. um, Ross Watson was working on it, and I'm a big uh, big fan and a friend of Ross. And when I found out that Ross was working on Wrath and Glory, the lead designer... That got my interest straight away, and I started looking into it. And as you know, I love D6 systems. I'm a big fan of Star Wars D6. West End game Star Wars D6, one of my favourite D6 games, along with Wine. And Warhammer 40,000 is a D6 die pool system. So straight away, that gets my interest. I really, really like that. It's set in the new Dark Imperium timeline that Games Workshop produced for the 8th edition of Warhammer. Yeah. I've got to uh, say, it, it looks absolutely gorgeous. I haven't, played, it, it I haven't does, had a chance to play it yet, but it, oh, it is beautiful. Yeah, it, it, oh, does, yeah. it looks really, really good. 
I played the Blessings of the Heralded playtest. I ran that for uh, my players yeah. that came down the storm. So I've got my fingers crossed for the print version. I've actually got the PDF because I went in on the all-in bundle, which was stupidly expensive. Mm. But, well, sometimes you have to do these things. And I just dived straight in, both feet first. And uh, the other <laughs> thing that's connected to it, of course, is that Ross asked me to write a new source book, which I can't talk too much about. But uh, there is a source book coming out that I've written for, for Wrath and Glory. That'll be Excellent. That doesn't sound like you, Darren, to be writing a source book <laughs> no, for an no. RPG. I wish I could write one. For, what, what's, that, what's that game? What's that world now? Um, 21,000 AD or is it 2000 AD? I can't remember. I, I've no idea. I think it's a comic or something. I can't think what you're, what you're talking about there. Comic? Isn't that sure. a... <laughs> oh, you're thinking 2001, that's a book by Arthur C. Clarke. It's quite ah, interesting yes. to uh, get into that. Didn't he run a corner shop <laughs> around by me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. 2000 AD was like 18 years ago. <laughs> so, uh, Andy, I believe you want to you want to tell us a bit about uh, Wiffwip 4. I, I can do that. I was actually going to talk also about Invisible ooh, Sun, which ooh. is the other thing that's oh, okay. finally well, pick one. arrived. Which, which would you like? Thing. Uh, I'd, I'd do a little bit of both. I really ought to talk about Warhammer 4, although I haven't had much to do with it, but it is yep, yep. gorgeous, and I spent mm. quite a lot of time at Gen Con talking to people about it. Um, so I worked with Cubicle 7. Uh, we had it was actually great. We had Graham Davis on the stand at Gen Con, and he had uh, all manner of stories from, right from the beginning of uh, Warhammer One. I think I suppose most people, if you've seen the the books, are out already. So most people will have actually seen the book and seen it in all its gloriousness at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. They've just released the final final PDF, so I believe that should be off to the printers, uh, if not already, then very yeah, very yeah. soon. Yeah. So uh, and uh, Invisible Sun you mentioned. Yes, I just that that caught me. The Kickstarter came out just after I'd had a a load of uh, overtime at work, which is so. Just yeah. to, just to remind the listeners, what Invisible Sun is? It's Monty Cook Games. I suppose the best term, sort of premier prestige game. They've built yeah. this as you can only buy the mega awesome limited cube yeah, yeah. box set. Yeah, Epic one with edition. the minimum pledge of one hundred and ninety-seven dollars yes. on Kickstarter. Um, yeah. That was just oh. to get the whole whole box. It could go anything up to about nearly five hundred, I think. Yeah. Um, but the box is absolutely packed. Oh yeah, so you, you, you've got yeah. that now, haven't you? I, you, I have it. It it's made its way all the way through the all the shipping things. Um, it's. It's got about four hardback books, character sheets for all the different bits and pieces, tokens yeah. like you wouldn't believe, cards for literally everything, um, yeah. a board to track some bits and pieces with. Uh, but the bit I absolutely love, the bit that really got me into, into the game when I opened it up, um, the first box set I've actually been able to explore. It's full of drawers and envelopes and things, and you, you pull open mm. these bits and go, oh, what's in here, this bit? Oh, my God, what's under here? Uh, was they do a props envelope, and that is full of postcards from the City of Dreams, Saturine, yeah. um, cards yeah, yeah. that NPCs might give you their business cards. <laughs> There's even a listing of uh, things available at the local cafe. That, yeah. uh, you can uh, it, it does look absolutely gorgeous. Amazing I, mean, stuff I, I, I didn't really build myself. The world. It was too rich for my yeah. blood, but yeah. I, I, can't, I kind of wish I had now. Yes, it, it basically originally ticked all my boxes for the sort of game I really like beyond mm. the, you know, the price point yeah. things. If anything, I would have been straight in for, oh my God, well, this is what I love anyway. It's like, oh, yeah. is it that expensive? Oh, I've just had some overtime. Oh, 
like <laughs> it's so easy to click back isn't it yeah but i haven't been disappointed with it at all and i love the character creation thing i mean when you look at the actual game itself which is easy to almost ignore because you get so much stuff you get involved in all the cool stuff uh, but there is a very straightforward system there's a lot of variety to it and it's that sort of game where you can create any sort of character you like you know there's mm. um you know you you even create a house for your character where you know place full of doors and and things in the, you know, the environment you live in this city of dreams the strange yeah. powers you have quirks and oddities for your character yeah. it's very dynamic and and a very intriguing world that you just want to dive into. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think Monty Cook Games have definitely mastered the whole, you know, production values thing, haven't they? Yeah, it's oh. it's one you look at it and think, I don't know if we'll ever see its like again. Um, yeah. But at the well, same actually, time, I hope we kind um, of will. Have you seen uh, like... the Beadle and Grimm's um, Waterdeep thing for uh, for D and D? Yeah, five hundred dollars, big box set full of props and maps and handouts and uh, oh, badges there's... and all sorts of. It's it's, it's yeah, it's a again. It's a, one of these sort of really high concept sort of luxury products that presumably an entire group is going to yeah. sort of band together to buy. But five hundred dollars, that thing, it's so expensive. That's even yeah, more. That than... makes my all-in wrath and glory seem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we should move swiftly on. Shall we do the news? We should. Okay then. First up, a bit of D and D news. Uh, we've we've mentioned uh, Joe Mang. I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Joe Manganiello, Manganiello. Before have we not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With his D and D clothing line, times. he's got the Death Saves clothing line. Yes, the one. Mm-hmm. So uh, Joe Manganiello, oh, of course, is uh, an actor who was in True Blood, and uh, I think he's um, DC um, mo- uh, character in the in the latest movies, Deadshot or someone. I, I can't remember who he is. Mm. Uh, he, Luke Gygax, uh, Mike Mills, who is um, uh, obviously the, the lead designer of um, oh, the fifth edition of fifth Dungeons and Dragons, and some other uh-huh. some other people, you can watch them play a high level D and D game on YouTube. So you know it's uh, it's Mike Mills running a game for these celebrities. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's a high level game. It's for a charity called Extra Life, which um, uh, Wizards of the Coast supports oh. every year. Um, so, so it makes it makes money for a children's hospital as well. But um, yeah, it's this uh, it's high level D and D game. Um, it happened on July the twenty eighth. Um, I'm not sure how long it's been on YouTube. Not too long. I just stumbled across it the other day. Um, oh. Yeah, I've started watching it. I'm only part way through right now, but it's it is it is fun to watch. It really is fantastic. Well, cool. we'll have to have a look at that in the show notes when the episode comes out because that yeah yeah we'll put a link to that in the show notes yeah. Brilliant, yeah. Um, High-level yeah. play is not something you see a lot of in 5th Dead, to be fair. Tends to be a lot no, of focus not, on levels not. 1 to 10. Nah. Mm. Mm. So, uh, Goodman Games, I don't know if uh, you guys uh, recall it, but they reincarnated the old D&D module into the Borderlands last year with a sort of big repackaged thing um, with two versions of the module in it, reprinted, plus a 5th edition conversion. Did very, very well for them. Apparently, it was their sort of best-selling product ever. And uh, they're following it up with another classic sort of old school D&D module, which they're, again, sort of repackaging um, the various versions of it into one big book, including a fifth edition conversion. Uh, this time, it's the Isle of Dread. Do you guys remember that one? Oh, yes. The big monster on the front Ooh. with the tentacles. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so the Isle of Dread, you know, it's, interestingly, was like the, the very first wilderness adventure. Before that, it was all, you know, uh, dungeon crawls with a the thing you did in D&D. Really? There was a 10-foot room by a 10-foot room with an orc in the middle. And if you didn't like it, that was tough. 
Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. Okay. Um, so this, I, this is, I have a, I have a sub rant about that. I'll, I'll show you about. <laughs> so this is um, one, one of the first examples of a wilderness adventure. Um, uh, it's sort of set on a tropical island. It's got dinosaurs and pirates and a hidden temple and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's coming back. Goodman Games, who sort of do these things under license of D&D. Yeah, I, I've been actually playing, sort of playing some of their stuff because I discovered, I think it's them who have already done a load of conversions for like 99p for all of the old the old modules so we've been running um the slave lords adventures a1 to 4 uh with our group at work when we should probably doing other things and (laughs) um and it's it's a sort of bare bones thing they do they've done for those where you just get the stats redone you so you've got to have Mm -hmm. the actual module there as well Uh, Mm -hmm. but those you can pick up in pdf now as well for a lot of those have been re-released and uh, it's been great to do some nostalgia gaming, and the the work on the conversion stuff is is really top notch. They've mm. really put them together very well, and it's you know, just all there about. Usually about ten pages, I think, with everything, all the monsters, and traps, and everything resorted for fifth edition. Mm. There's a market there for a product line D and D. The stats redone. Yeah, <laughs> well, I suspect that's kind of what they're doing. They they yeah. presumably it's been quite successful them doing these little conversion packets. So now mm. they thought, well, let's see if we can redo the yeah. whole module and repackage the whole thing. And it's, it's yeah, and it is and it is doing very well for them. Yeah, yeah will do. Um, so uh, Modifius, we all know Modifius, do we not? Yes. Yep, oh yep. yeah. They've announced uh, something called the Unity RPG, currently in pre-order. Uh, it's a brand new RPG, um, and uh, yeah, so it's quite interesting. So um, it's called, uh, as I said, uh, the Unity RPG, a 371-page RPG, sort of full-color artwork and so forth. Uh, this is a description of it, sort of punished, forsaken, and left for dead by the divine hand that created them. Four races must come together and unite against the grim horrors of a world set on fire. Uh, it doesn't say what system this is. No, no. I don't know if anyone's, has anyone heard of this one? Not, not yeah. at all, actually. No. I, I imagine it would be two D twenty, given that that's their house. It's, it's, it's made for them by a, a company called Zensara Studios, so it might not be two D twenty because that's Modifius' in-house oh, yeah. system. But um, they do sort of uh, distribute some yeah. stuff for other companies, don't they? And I think this is one of those. Yes, they've got quite because they're doing, I think, Sibarum and the Tales from the Loop and all kinds of other things. Yeah, exactly, they, exactly, uh, yeah. Um, so this uh, is um, so yes. this says it's a, a fantasy role-playing experience focused on uh, spectacular storytelling, cinematic moments, deep character growth, and get this a riveting combat system. Everybody's armed with rivet guns. <laughs> no, no, I just really hope that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I'll be disappointed if it's a- not. Anything less will be disappointing. Uh, yeah, there's some there's some sample artwork up. You can chuck the URL in the show notes. Um, very, very nice full colour art. Oh. Uh, it says nine classes, hundreds of power combinations, four mm. factions, uh, and then usual stuff like deadly foes, powerful treasures, all that sort of stuff. Um, that looks really interesting. A bit of Seventh Sea news, Andy. Yeah. Oh, go so, for it. You're a big, big fan of Seventh Sea. It, it is. Not? If I had to pick a favourite game of all time, it would be Seventh Sea. So, what can you, what can you tell us then about Lands of Golden Fire? Oh well, I I have that. I haven't. It's on my pile of things yet to read. It's the ongoing expansion of Thea, her world. As as you may or may not know, uh, the original mm. Seventh Sea was just based in Europe, and yeah. with Seventh Sea Second Edition, they've been gradually expanding the map. Um, we've had the mm. Aztec 
version of America. We've had the Caribbean with pirate nations. Now mm. they've moved out to a continent they call Ilfri, which is, is basically sort of Africa. Africa. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's a whole book on various factions and the mm-hmm. lands of Africa uh, for with swashbuckling adventure. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think they've had a, a more diverse collection of writers, so it's it's very much drawn from real African culture. So they've um, they haven't just sort of you know invented a stuff that looks cool. Uh, they've gone back to something, and, uh, mm. and I think they've got very much a focus. I mean, John Wick Prince has got a, a very big focus on getting more diverse writers involved, um, mm. particularly as they got this world-spanning concept for Seven C. So there's a lot of interesting new voices, I think, coming through that, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it looks very much worth a look. And it's on my iPad. No, it's on my list of because they write them too quickly. I've, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm mean, still reading the the nations. Yeah. Of, you know, I've just finished reading the nations of Thayer books because yeah. I. Well, backed, this is uh, this is off the back of a 1.3 million dollar Kickstarter <laughs> from a couple of years ago. So they've got yeah, you know, they've and got they've got, they've got a lot of money, to, yeah. a lot of money, and they're presumably you know investing that in the product line at a ferocious rate. Yeah, there's there's still a fair few books to come out. I think we've still yeah. got the colonies and secret society. Uh, I've got a little bit of news here about uh, Legend of the Five Rings from Fantasy Flight Games. Ooh. The beginner box is uh, already available for purchase. Uh, that includes uh, player and GM books, custom dice tokens, Ooh. maps, character folios, uh, and it's kind of a streamlined sort of introductory version of the Genesis system, yeah. which they use uh. for several of their RPGs now. Yeah, yeah, Star Wars, all that sort of thing. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Nice. Uh, so the uh, the the full uh, core rulebook is currently being printed. Uh, will be in stars, uh, stores soon, and they've been teasing some of the sort of uh, skill systems and descriptions of how checks will work in the game, overview of the character creation process, and stuff like that. So there's quite a bit of news coming out about that. We'll stick the uh, links to that in the show notes again. Mm-hmm. Um, beginner box. Uh, forty four ninety five retail price. The upcoming core rulebook, uh, forty nine ninety five, and of course the special dice that you have to get separately, twelve ninety five, because you can't play yeah. the Genesis system without them. Yeah, yeah. 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 those dice. Have, to uh, this day, I still don't know how to use. Yeah. I think they have actually upped the the system a little bit from from the previous one because one of the things that, whilst I still think it works for Star Wars, and I've I've loved playing it. I always felt it needed a bit more guidance when you have roles that don't directly relate to specific character powers. Oh, and I okay. think what they've done with the five rings is to give you more options. So you have dice that oh, are, are one thing or another. So you can choose, well, do I keep the success options on this or do I take the effect options on it? Mm. Uh, which oh. give you a bit more choice and maybe you might choose to fail because the results will be bad if you don't and other in other ways oh. where you know mm. a bad fa- you know straight failure might be better than a partial success in some cases and yeah. so i think they played around with yeah. it a little bit it looked oh. it looked interesting I, although i've not play tested it but uh, so the the next adventure in the uh, starfinder adventure path and um, they're doing a sort of experimental three issue adventure path for starfinder oh. um the sort of pathfinder ones were always i think six weren't they um, so three issues, and um, mm-hmm. this one's called Against the uh, Eon Throne. Um, so the third adventure is now out, and it's called uh, Escape from the Prison Moon. Sounds exciting. Will you adopt a zero-gravity plant? Uh, can you get past the Outlaw Space Station? Begin this adventure with no equipment. Make your stealth rolls. <laughs> yeah, find out in Escape from the Prison Moon. Um, yeah. Escape from uh, the Dungeon of the Slave Lords uh, yeah, in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's getting a bit uh, core there, but... 
Well, moving swiftly on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a uh, sort of Pathfinder first edition adventure path continue. I assume these are going to be dying yeah. out very soon with the Pathfinder second edition playtest, you know, in full gear. Coming um, mid-September, we've got the uh, second um, of the current series, uh, Pathfinder adventure path number 134. It came from Hollow Mountain. And then finally, uh, we've got the uh, Pathfinder player companion, Plane Hopper's Handbook. Uh, perfect for players who want to find characters that are weird and otherworldly, even for the strange folk of Galarion. Not only will there be spells, gears, and gears, gear, even not gears, and uh, magic items, uh, but also expanded backgrounds from planar influenced characters like Tieflings, Azamars, and Elemental Scions. Exciting! So there you go. That's yeah, your, your monthly Pathfinder news. Yeah, a bit of dash of Planescape for the Pathfinder players. Sounds yeah. very intriguing. Yeah. Oh. Hello, I am here at the Perturbed Dragon Tavern where uh, Malak the Maleficent. Maleficent. Oh, you stupid man, it's Maleficent. Maleficent. The Maleficent. Malak the Maleficent. You're an idiot. I know. But I am here interviewing Malak the Maleficent. About his latest plans for world domination. Um, I notice I'm... Uh, how, how many interviews have you done so far today here in this junket, Malik? I've done 47. 47, so I'm number 40. 48. So I do apologise yes. if I end up covering ground that you may have covered already. Well, go on then. Apologise. I'm very, very sorry for covering ground that you've already covered already. Mm, fine. Carry on. So... Um, we're here to talk about your uh, latest plan for uh, world domination. Yes. Um, so I understand that this particular plan involves uh, rats in some manner. Mm, I'm, I'm not sure how much I should tell you about my plans, actually. That's what well, I've it, been telling everyone else. It has been noted that the rats around town have been disappearing, and um, I'm sure someone reported something about a large rat colossus. Uh, looking over the town the other week. Well, that sounds very unlikely, doesn't it? A it does sound like colossus. the sort of thing you would do. Well, yes. I have been known to create gigantic biological monstrosities in the past. But why would I repeat the mistakes of the past? It didn't work last time, did it? You'll definitely fall for this. Yes, yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure we'll fall for this. So could you tell us uh, uh, maybe a little more about your sort of... Well, why don't you go into your background a little before we jump into your current plans? You mean my mysterious and evil background? That one, yes, yeah. So yes. I understand you um, you grew up in a, in a in a convent. Well, you would call it a convent. I would call it a hellhole. Yes, it does seem to have scarred you deeply. I mean, what would you say was your sort of takeaway sort of experience, takeaway lesson from that from that period of your life? Nuns taste much better if you pluck them first. I see. I see. Um, so, uh, mo moving swiftly on, you entered uh, the uh, Evil Wizard Academy uh, at the astonishingly early age of uh, 14, I believe. It was actually 13 and a half. They got my date wrong on the application form because the stupid yokels couldn't write. I see, but you did pass with flying colours. You completed the three-year course and came away with your your diploma in evil wizardry. 
I passed with all the colours, not just the flying ones, the oh, digging yeah. ones and the swimming ones as well. Very, very, very good. I mean, yes, I, I know. I am very, very good. I'm extremely clever, much cleverer than you. Well, you are Malak the Maleficent. Maleficent! Maleficent! If you get it wrong one more time, I will destroy you. And I will destroy your family, and I will destroy your friends, and I will destroy your entire town. So don't get it wrong again. I will try not to. I do notice that of these sort of 47 journalists that have been here before, uh, why, why are there um, 47 piles of dust over in the corner? Mm. Some of their pronunciation was questionable. Hmm. Suboptimal. Suboptimal, yes, that would be accurate, yes. I shall do my best not to repeat their 47 mistakes. Yes, you'd better. Although I do quite enjoy reducing people to ash, so hmm, no great loss. Well, I mean, I'm sure my, 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 my family would... would would miss me? They wouldn't miss you if they were dead. No, no, I, I can't, I can't do this. I must, I must leave. Stop I must leave. blabbering, I must you leave. fool! Mm, where's he gone? Mm. Well, I suppose I'll just talk to myself then. Where were we? We were talking about my glorious college days. Yes, yes, well... I spent four years at the college. That's three years less than most people have to spend there, the dullards. I spent four years there, and then I destroyed it, because I didn't like it very much. Mm, I destroyed it with fire. Yes, I do like fire. Rats are good too, but fire, fire is my favourite way to destroy things. Mm, yes, yes. I wonder if he's coming back any time soon. You! Yeah, I can see you behind the table. Come here. Come here. Yes. Hello? Finish your interview, fool. Right. What's okay. your next question? Come on. Um, well... Uh, it's got um, all day. I was wondering um, what, what you would say your uh, biggest uh, mistakes were, your previous attempts at world domination. Mistakes? I haven't made any mistakes. Well, what do you mean? I must note that you, you have attempted to conquer the world three times now, and this is your fourth attempt. I mean, mostly I just get bored. You know, there's only so much murder and mayhem you can do. Genocide just gets so... Mm, samey when well, you've done first, it a few Your first times. attempt involved uh, summoning a, a demon from the pits of hell. What, what, what went wrong with that one? Well, it turns out that demons are stupid. They're stupider than humans. So, it was stupid. Hmm. And your second attempt was to uh, magically poison the water supply of the entire world. Yes, well, it turns out the entire world drinks beer, not water. So, that went well, didn't it? Hmm. And uh, your your third attempt, and this is the sort of probably the one we uh, listeners will be most familiar with, was when you created a, a massive orc army with the intent to sort of march across the civilized world and conquer, plunder, and pillage uh, all known civilization. Well, you know what happened there, don't you? The orcs unionized. 
That's the problem with orcs. They always unionize, and then they wanted better pay and better conditions, and I didn't want to give it to them, and then they said I had to give it to them, and then I burned them with fire. Yes, yes. So, uh, and so this this fourth attempt involves a, a, a rat colossus. Who who told you that? Who said? Well, that? every everyone, everyone's everyone's like seen it. I mean, it's it's a hundred feet high. It's it's, it's like outside. A hundred feet high. A hundred. It's two hundred. If it's a million. Oh, so you admit it does exist? Um. Yes. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, how how are you going to sort of ensure that this particular attempt at world domination is going to succeed? I'm not relying on anybody else this time. No demons, no poisoners, no legions of orcs. It's just me and my rat colossus, which does exactly what I say. It will march through the cities, eating everything it sees. There will be nothing to stop it because it's 250 feet tall, and it will destroy everything, and all the people will fall beneath it because it's 300 feet tall. Hmm. How tall is it, sorry? At least 400 feet. 400 feet, you say? Yes. Why? I mean, uh, it's not like I, I'd ever want to uh, argue or contradict you, but uh, I mean, like, I, I can see it right now through the window, and um, it's standing right next to a bizarrely convenient giant vertical tape measure, and it's uh, clearly 100 feet tall. Perspective. Perspective is a difficult thing for puny people like you to understand. It's right. clearly taller than it looks. Right. Okay. Uh, so uh, I see we're um, we're running out of time, and you have some more some more journalists to uh, to to talk to. Um, to so burn, thank yes. uh, thank you very much, Malak the Malef Maleficent. What did you call me? Um, what did you say? Malef Maleficent. What did you say? How dare you mispronounce my name? It's very simple. I'm going to destroy you. You know that people keep writing into us and asking us. When is Judge Dredd going to be out? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time yet? And we keep having to say, I can't really say yet. Not allowed to say. <laughs> I'm and aware of people this. complain that there's no information and they say, is it still coming? What's going on? Well, it's that time. We have got the go-ahead to talk. <laughs> Can it be? Can we actually talk Trouble. about Quite possibly 2018's most exciting 2000 AD related news. The Judge Dredd and the <laughs> 2000 AD role playing game. It's been Why are you laughing at me? It's true. Was that not fact? 2018, well, maybe even 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, we'll have to let the listeners in on a little secret here and why we've invited Darren and Andy onto the podcast. Do you, do you, do you want to reveal? Do you guys want to reveal why you're here? So, Darren, why, why are you here? I'm here because of Angus Abranson and you. A couple of that's years it, ago now, is it? That's it, blame Angus. Yeah, it's been, it's it's actually, been a while now, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been a couple of years ago when Angus filmed one day and said, oh, there's this role-playing game. I'm like, wow, cool. It's a, and I think you might really enjoy writing for it and being the lead writer on it, but I can't tell you what it is. And I'm like, well, oh, <laughs> sign me up. But preliminary, preliminary, I'll be interested. He said, well, and, and, and so on. And then about five minutes later, he rang me back after speaking to you and said, okay, I'm allowed to tell you what it is. 
Uh, I don't know if you're a fan <laughs> or not, yeah. but this is Judge Dredd and the Waltz of 2000 AD, the role-playing game. It took me 0.1 of a second to say yes. Yes, you let out a mighty squeeze. huge Judge Dredd fan. Massive Judge Dredd yeah. fan. I grew up with the comic, like many of And uh, yeah, when I was asked to be the lead writer on it, like I said, one point, you know, point of a second. Yes, yeah. I'm in. That's why I'm here, because uh, I wrote uh, a lot of the fluff Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Darren is the sort of uh, lead writer on the core rulebook of uh, Judge Dredd and the Worlds of 2000 AD. Yeah. I did the mechanics, Darren did the fluff, basically. Um, with, with, with some other yeah. people, but, you know, they're not on the I podcast, so we don't have to talk about them, do we? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a make up podcast, I don't count. Andy, yeah. what's, what's your involvement in this little... And this little I got brought plot. in to write the Robot Wars book, uh, mostly because when I heard about oh, this, I yeah. said to Angus, uh, who is just a good person to blame for everything, I think, generally, um, mm. I said, oh, you know, the, the Robusters and all those robot ones sound really interesting. He said, well, there's a Robot Wars. I said, okay, I'll give that a go. And uh, I was very glad you gave me a, a free reign to write some utterly gonzo robots. Mm. There's... <laughs> Oh. I don't think you've seen the they finished are. product yet, have you? <laughs> well, I have been flicking through. It's, it's looking, it's looking really good. So, uh, Robot Wars yeah. is, of course, the first sort of source book slash adventure we're bringing out for it. I'm yeah. excited. We are allowed to talk about it, so I can sort of exclusively yes. announce. For, when I say exclusively, I don't mean exclusively in the slightest. I mean the opposite no. of exclusively, because it's Fair basically enough. being announced everywhere I possibly can. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, the Kickstarter is coming. Uh, it is coming. Yes. Uh, so the Kickstarter is launching on Tuesday. <laughs> yes. September 25th, 5pm yes. GMT, which, uh, if my time zones are correct, for you Americans out there, that's 10am Pacific time, 12pm Central time, and 1pm ET. That's Eastern time, isn't it? Not extra Eastern standard time. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so the Kickstarter is launching on the, on the 25th. And uh, in in that in that Kickstarter, we will have the uh, big color hardcover core rulebook, the special oh. edition exclusive uh, version of the core rulebook with the, uh, the alternate cover, a GM screen, Andy's Robot Wars uh, soft color uh, adventure stroke source book, and even some special just red dice. Oh, it was all quite exciting. So I thought maybe we could. Just sort of dive into these a little bit. Um, I mean, maybe there might be some people out there, some poor, unfortunate people, and I do feel so very, very, very sorry for them, mm. um, who don't really know what Judge Dredd and 2000 AD are, or they hear Judge yeah. Dredd and all they think of is Sylvester Stallone, and uh, mm. that's an unfortunate situation <sighs> to be in. But not the infinitely well, superior caller. More but... recent, better movie. <laughs> so how about yeah. Darren? How about you, 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 you tell us um, what is... Not just just dread, but what is two thousand AD? That's a massive oh. question. Well, let's, let's try not to make it too long. <laughs> what is it to me? Most of my childhood is the short answer. <laughs> yeah. Go on. What is it to you? What is two thousand AD yeah. to you? It's an epic memory, actually. My nan introduced me to two thousand AD. Mm. She came in the one day with a comic, oh. and it was unlike any comic I'd seen before. This was two thousand AD. It was issue one, and I sat down and I read through it about seven times. Mm. Uh-huh throughout the the day pretty much and it was just totally mm. different all these different yeah. stories all these different characters mm. and it was mature that's the thing it wasn't a comedy mm. comic i mean yeah there's yeah. black humor there's dark humor but satire this was yes there's satire in there and there's this was yeah. for a young person like yeah. me who was just sort of getting started in, in sort of like the revolution of music and so on 
this was like the greatest hits of all all these new bands mm. I was hearing about. And it was just like these stories were science fiction. They were future. Yeah. They were shocking. They handled mature subjects that I've never seen handled in a comic. You know, we've got the Beano, we've got the Dandy and all that. But then there's 2000 AD with Judge Dredd. And that was mind-blowing. I'd heard, you know, about Dredd from various comic strips in newspapers. But to see a comic with this Dredd character and with all these new characters that weren't the classic sort of comic characters, it was mind-blowing, really. So to me, 2000 AD is a great memory of my childhood. And just it's just a superb science fiction roller coaster of different disparate stories with dystopian and other things. Yeah, I mean, just to be yeah. clear to, to the listeners, uh, 2080 itself is kind of an anthology yeah. comic. In the, uh, it's not yeah. just just Dread. There's uh, dozens and dozens of them, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, have you, have you got I a think few? We favorites have a list of about you, 150. Ross? Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you got, have you got a few favourites that you'd like to sort of like? Oh. <laughs> well, obviously Dread. Yeah, well, um, well, that's the one that everyone's heard of. That's the one everyone's heard of. The one I really love is Nemesis the Warlock, right? which oh. is one of, as Andy will tell you, I've waxed lyrical numerous times when I've met him and talked about Nemesis the Warlock. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'd always kind of imagine a lot of Nemesis might well have been an inspiration for some of the Warhammer 40,000 stuff. I could certainly see that, yeah. yeah. I always think the 2000 AD and Warhammer 40,000 walk hand in hand. What about you, Andy? Well, if you if you were to sort of like just pick a pick a sort of favourite uh, non-dread storyline from uh, 2000 AD? Well, I'm, I'm quite, in some ways, I'm quite new to it because one of the things I've actually loved doing, uh, for want of a better term, research, I... Um, sitting down and reading comics, <laughs> this is the when best catching up on some of the the early dread stuff. It's, oh, it's hard work being a freelancer. It's, it's very isn't tough. It? I've I've fought my way through it, and it's but it's you know I've for En World, you know I'm prepared to make that sacrifice. <laughs> Such dedication. The thing that actually most interested me, I mean, I I used to very much love Rogue Trooper. Um, was probably yeah. one of my favourites. Side that, but now having seen the the En World listing of here's the other things we're we're looking at doing mm. the thing i did check up that i've got very into uh recently is absalom oh uh, right okay yeah i, 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 you I might actually like very, absalom, Andy. yeah I'm a, I'm a i'm a fan there yeah yeah very quickly become my favorite it's like john constantine's grandpa with a mixture mm. of gene hunt from life on mars goes and sorts out demon possession and the supernatural by smoking heavily drinking and putting the boot in exactly um, yeah, in a yeah. sort of old school Classic 1970s copper yeah. um with a lot of people saying absolutely you can't do that <laughs> it's like what well, do you want the demons to possess people or do you not right yeah no, um, i am super super keen on covering that one i i, I yeah that's, that's yeah. a favorite yeah. right definitely yeah. You know, there's so many sort of worlds of 2000 AD, and obviously this book we're producing, this first book, um, the core rule book, we're only describing Mega City One and a sort of World of Judge Dread in this particular book. But this book um, is kind of like the core rule book that we use for all of the settings that we're going to produce later. So when you want to play, I don't know, Rogue Trooper, for example, you'll get a Rogue Trooper setting book. It won't have the core rules in it. Mm. That's in this hardcover book we're really, we're kickstarting now. It'll just have all the setting material, new careers, new information, all that sort of stuff, uh, plus adventures and so forth, that you can use alongside the core rule book. And I imagine, as as well to say, part of this will be not just we've done one setting book, one sort of core rule book, and then nothing will ever change. Mm. You know, we're going to adapt this system so it suits each world, you know, mm. bespoke and tailor-made. Yeah. Mm. Aren't we? It's uh, you know we're not going to throw everything out. I'm sure, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, we're also going to see what, you know, what is popular and what is not. Um, at the moment, we can't really announce what we've got planned for the future because, as I said, we have to get approval on everything. And what we've got approval on is the things that we've announced. But I, what I did want to point people to was uh, the official website, which is worldsof2000adrpg.com. And oh. if you head over there, um, there is a countdown to the Kickstarter, a nice big uh, image of all the books and the GM screen and the dice and stuff like that. But more importantly, there's this wonderful trailer, which I love. Have you guys seen it? Oh, yes. yes. I've, I've, yes. I've seen that. Yes. That's been on YouTube as well, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Stuff, lovely, lovely yeah. trailer. And uh, there's a, a mailing list you can sign up for to be notified when the Kickstarter launches. And I do very much encourage people to sign up for that because, you know, you want to get in quickly and oh. snap up that sort of limit limited edition sort of hardcover it's going to look absolutely gorgeous uh andy so you uh, worked on the robot wars could you just sort of like really quickly explain what the robot wars is well it's the first major sort of multi-issue plot line that mm. uh, happened in judge dread uh, which as you might imagine takes place where robots realize they've had enough of being treated uh, the way they are treated appallingly in maker city oh. one yeah and under the leadership of a a robot called Call Me Kenneth. Uh, oh. They have a mass uprising, and it, as is, you know, not for the what will be the only time, but certainly for the first time, it Mega City One is almost destroyed in the carnage that goes on. Because of mm. course, in Mega City One, everyone relies on robots to That's do right. everything. Exactly, and they are everywhere. That's why the unemployment um, rate something like ninety percent, isn't it? Yes, That's right. Yeah, ninety yeah. percent. And uh, what I what I particularly loved about doing this book was that it is the robots are utterly yeah. crazy mm. there is you know they are you know their personalities are strange and interesting because they have they're very one-track minded mm. they can be there's a mixture of they can be quite often you know they have dread has his walter which is his you know for want of better term, robot, yeah, yes. sort of servant, pet robot, Butler. best friend, um, yeah. whether he likes it or not. I, I'm currently playing um, through the Robot Wars on Thursday nights, actually. Um, about halfway through now. But um, yeah, I haven't quite found a voice for Walter the Wobot yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still working on that one. They've just, they've literally just met him and just sort of, brought, and they're yeah. about to leave their sort of section house and sort of head over to Call Me Kenneth's factory. <laughs> oh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of spoiling the adventure here, aren't I? I should yeah. probably not reveal too many details, but <laughs> but um, yeah, they just the uh, they just defeated the uh, heavy metal kids, which were attacking oh. attacking the uh, section house, and uh, Walters volunteered yeah. his services. Yes. I mean, this is, this is what we've tried to do with this. We should say to people, it's not just the main adventure is play through what Dread did. Um, oh. Obviously, you can do all those situations of. of the way dread got involved in things but oh. i've written it so you can you can be dread sidekicks or you can take dread's place or you can be getting involved in other things that dread wasn't involved in or, uh, or, or so, interesting you could play a perp yeah. or a civilian and there's an adventure in there yeah. called saving matt damon block yeah oh. yeah and that's that's a more local scale thing where you're part of a particular block in the midst of all this um, yeah. and you have to deal with the robot uprising in your area mm. um yeah, yeah. I'd like to say it's real... also a bit of a love story, isn't it? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sense. a big fan of romance, and if I can you know, even put it in with... Uh, robot with robot love. Dread, There's nothing like robot love. The things yeah. I could say. And, it, and, it's, and it's love. It, it's not something solid with, with, with lust and things. <laughs> it's pure. It's pure. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's what Gastro yeah. GTX oh. wasn't invented for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So I was thinking, sort of, Peter, you're the only one here who uh, hasn't worked on this. 
But That's you true, are very, very interested in it. Why don't you? Why don't you shoot I us am. some questions, maybe, and we'll we'll do our best to field them. <laughs> I think that might be fun. We, yeah, might, we, uh, we might not be able to, but we'll give it a go. We'll give it a shot. Well, I I, I did take the liberty of uh, writing a couple down. So oh, let's see. Just uh, read that the original game was released in the 1980s by Games Workshop, I think. Yes, and then there was correct. an O2 version by Mongoose, which was D20 with 14 supplements. Yeah. And then a, a later 09 version, again by Mongus, using Travellers. So Yes, that is correct. I suppose the question which I have seen online when talking about it, and which other people have, is uh, what makes yours an exciting new take? Yeah, Darren, you, you, you field this one. For me, the, the key thing is the system. Because I like D6 systems, so for me personally, playing a, or running a Judge Dredd game with a D6 system, I'm instantly familiar with D6 systems. But worldwide... This is Dread in 2099. Oh. This is basically after a series of disastrous global wars, the planet's been reduced to radioactive wasteland. You know, there's vast stretches of this which are completely uninhabitable. Oh. You've got radiation, mutated horrors, like the home of the cursed Earth, and you've got mega city. Oh. And Judge Dread. Dread is just raw on the streets. There's no wall around mega city one at the moment. We haven't reached that right. point in comics. So ours is Dread right from the start. This is where it all kicked off. So to me, it's really special because this is the first dread I ever read. So to be able to write the first dread is pretty much the same feeling I got from writing the first Doctor mm. book oh. for uh, Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space, the William Hartnell one. So yeah, I think the reason ours is is good is because we take it right back to the beginning, 2099, and we've taken a really good look at Mega City One. So if you're a dread fan and you're not a role playing game fan, this book is good as resource for 2000. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's a point that can't be reiterated enough, that even mm -hmm. if you don't want to play an RPG, there's so mm -hmm. much sort of um, sort of background and setting material in there that it's a lovely sort of coffee table book that you could just sit down there and read sort of yeah. chapters about Mega City 1 and so forth. Yeah. You know, you don't, have to, you don't have to read the sort of game mechanics chapter. You can, you know... I worked extensively with Nick, and we put together a huge list of locations yeah, from yeah. City One. Andy, what do you, what would you say is the like you know the oh, thing well, that I, makes this the definitive version? Well, I think certainly compared, I certainly only played the the first Games Workshop one. I don't think I played the oh. Mongoose one. Oh. But one of the things that's very particular to this one is the ability to play uh, civilians and perps mm, as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and not just to throw them in as as extra characters in a group. We've almost got two different levels of play yeah, yeah. with this you can play judges or you can play whole other campaigns on on the, the you know yeah. the lowest i mean it can be so much fun to sort of play as a perp and just you know you're just hoping you don't run into a judge that's it and yeah. that's when i was <laughs> yeah. i was looking yeah. when uh, when we were writing the crime blotters i had to write the crime mm. blotters that mm. i did for judges for citizens and mm. perps, and that was great fun because you have to think in three different ways mm. yes because while while it's great to be playing judge dread or someone like that what's also yeah. mo more evocative is have your characters go drop it it's dread it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> run you know and it's, you, you want to do that it's such, too. It's such yeah. a big big city and such a rich setting that you can you can play for ages without running into a judge it's not like yeah. they're omnipresent mm. is it so no, you know it's, it's why there's so much crime yeah, yeah exactly it's a crime <laughs> all think, and, everyone you know. thinks they're going to be lucky and they're not going to be the one that runs into a judge. And I mean, yeah. face it, you know, we, we have the uplifted animals as well, so you could play a crime-laden ape if you want. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, mm -hmm. I was there's just nothing to... greater than having that feeling where you go, you know, drop the bananas! It's great! <laughs> Move it! 
Oh, so it's, it's fun the sort of different character options you've got in this because as you said we can do perps civilians and of course judges but oh, the, the oh, different races you can choose from uh, so yeah. we've got humans we've got clones we've got robots oh. uh, we've got various apes and uh, of course we've got mutants as well uh, available as characters oh. not as judge characters obviously but as, as, as characters with uh, a whole set of different mutant powers you might have um, so there's a whole massive range of sort of characters you can play in yeah. this game, not just judges. Yeah, there's lots of options, and I think that's another good point to answer the question, why is ours cool? Why is ours good? Because we give you a oh. lot of options. Oh. I mean to play our agency. Oh. Going back to the way you said we start at the beginning, yeah. Baron, yeah. I think it's interesting because yeah. our, our plan, um, as, as, as you obviously know, is uh, we're going to work our way uh, for the Just Red stuff. Um, sort of not counting oh. any other 2008 stuff. We're going to work our way through his chronology, which is why we started with the Robot Wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be moving on to Luna 1 is going to be our next one. Yep. Then the Cursed yeah. Earth. We're going to go through each of Dredd's sort of main storylines one at a time and uh, allow players to sort of play either as a judge or play a sort of civilian or perp adventure within that sort of time period. Yeah. And also present in each one, looking at how uh, you approached Andy, how you approached the Robot Wars. You included oh. rules for expanded rules for uh, robot player characters yes there's a lot of that because they're so different yeah. to humans but, yeah uh, <laughs> and, and, and also you included a sort of crime blotter in the uh, a lot of the sort of smaller adventures that dread had sort of in that period which wouldn't be big enough to expand for an entire sort of like 150 page adventure on their own yeah um, we've got sort of like a, a chapter which just like goes through various uh, in the robot wars various uh, sort of uh, smaller adventures which took place between then and the next um, big storyline which was uh, Luna 1. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's lots of little um you know those those one issue stories that in some cases are just little encounters. Yeah, but they like haven't a... been they haven't been forgotten at all. And there's yeah, loads it's like of Frankenstein 2, it's like yeah. a giant robotic yeah. gorilla, uh, what was it Krong? Yeah. Uh, and things like that. Yeah. And there's some loads of stuff. And of course, we, we provide all the stats for that if you want to play those out. And you can bring them into other adventures mm. or even play them as sub-adventures within the Robot Wars because yeah. there are there's quite a large block of time things these big campaigns happen over. And mm. there's lots of opportunity for doing little adventures within that that aren't actually related to the main campaign because it's not the only crime that's exactly, going on. Yeah. You know, and a lot of criminals and things are going to take opportunities when the judges are busy. So uh, there's a lot of ways to mix and match stuff into that. Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Well, well, it's good that you, you've you've kind of set the template for that line, actually, yeah, because uh, you know we've got we've got someone working on Luna One and Cursed Earth at the moment, and they've basically got a copy of your Robot Wars manuscript, and we've told them you know that's the essential template you're going to start with. Uh, so yeah, you've kind of set the template for that line, and I think it works really really well. I'm using it on Thursday nights, like I said, it's just it's great fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the thing. It's like, and Darren know this from the both working on the Doctor Who yeah. things, it's and it's always great when, if you set these things up at the start, that you know that you're going to have a series of books that all will follow the same yeah, system exactly. and thing. And we and Cubal Seven managed this with all the Doctor source books because there's so many other games where you see they don't set it up or then they change it yeah, halfway yeah. through yeah. and the trade just changes and you're sort of going, but I want my set to be complete <laughs> from from day one. And mm. you know, having set it up for right from the start then we're going to do, deliver that with uh, 2018 uh, so peter yeah. have we yeah. have we answered your question uh yeah you, you, you've answered all my questions <laughs> definitely um <laughs> I, I was think that a satisfactory answer really, to your question yeah like it sounds like you're taking the worlds of 2018 back to their roots addressing the um initial starting worlds of judge dread 
uh, a mega city one without walls, an arbitrary executioner and challenge lawman, um, an anti-democrat and authoritarian, roams the streets and is the hero. But like, there's a lot of British sci-fi properties which, from that time, were basically parodies of that sort of authoritarian mindset, that sort of fascism. Do people yeah. still understand this? It's a parody. I mean, I have unfortunately in the wild actually met someone who enjoys Judge Dredd has sort of almost a power fantasy. They they don't see the irony that this would be a terrible place to live. They think it would oh they think, oh yeah, two thousand AD. It would be a well, great place everyone, to live. Everyone gets something different from everything. I mean mm-hmm. I guess there's no sort of non valid you know, if you if you get something from it and you enjoy it, then fine, whatever. But mm-hmm. um yeah, obviously it is a dark satire, it's a parody, it, it's you know, it's, it's always been intended as such. Um, whether people realise it is, I think people familiar with it do. I think possibly a lot of people who are only familiar with it maybe because of the Sloan film or maybe the, mm. um, uh, the more recent Kerlubin one. Uh, mm. Maybe maybe they do just think it's kind of like a straight yeah, action property, perhaps. I don't know. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't answer that question, I guess. But And Nemesis the Warlock, I think uh, it was it was Darren, wasn't it? You, you yeah. said, you yeah, said yeah. he was one of your favourites. Uh, and that was really yeah. interesting because, like, put my hands up, not as familiar, but he's like, um, he's the alien, he's the other, and yeah. actually the main antagonists, those are um, those are actually racist humans yeah, yeah. that they're fighting against. Yeah, the, the world of termites is is basically Earth mm. in the far distant future. You've got aliens everywhere. Yeah. Uh, Torquemada hates all alien life. I mean, he really, really hates mm. every single alien. Then you have Nemesis the Warlock, who's billed as the Master of Chaos, Scott with a K. Mm. He's a freedom fighter for alien oh. rights. So you've got this really interesting story going on. Oh. And player characters in that will be able to do all sorts of things. You know, you can be the alien, which oh. is an interesting thing. You normally we play humans. Oh. It's rare that yeah, we yeah. get to play aliens unless we play something like Starfighter. Exactly, yeah. Where there are actually aliens like the Ahsoka. So mm. you know, in Nemesis you can play human sympathizers. You could pay resistance agents, so you can have citizens of termite, oh. and then you can have, you know, like Nemesis. You could, in theory, actually have a player play Nemesis. That would be like mm. the Doctor in Doctor Who with the companions. That should be fantastic. But yeah, you're right. It is very much a parody of that kind of thing in terms of the comic oh. at the time, because 2000 AD was a master of that. Yeah, I mean, oh. I imagine with with all these things that yes, if people if people don't get it's a parody after reading the comics, reading the 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 role-playing game and, and playing the game then there's not much we can do it's yeah, yeah. it's pretty clear how you know where this is meant to come about yeah, i think yeah and, uh, I, I think anyone who you have to say to them by the way dude fascism is bad yeah, and then yeah. they're probably lost to any sort of sense in the first yeah, place anyway yeah, yeah. But do you think the anti-racist anti-authoritarian messages of the source material do you think that's come from your writing? I suppose every writer brings their bias, own biases to things. You know? So, uh, I mean, I remember when I did uh, Victoriana, uh, someone oh. made us a, a comment about that. You know, it's a sort of fantasy Victorian world. Mm-hmm. And some, some review or comment online said, oh, it was very anti-capitalism. Things were going, well, I didn't think I'd specifically <laughs> written anti-capitalism thing but i generally said that greed is bad and oppressing the poor is is wrong and if they're taking that as an anti-capitalism message then it's up to them so you know though people will take what you do you know as as in this world of brexit and trump we have uh, discovered there's some very far very disparate viewpoints and on a lot of issues that uh, 
most of us yeah. might think oh, there's uh, there's not it's not so wide apart on. I thought maybe I might run through yeah. the contents of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's for listeners that. that might be interested. I've got the I've got the contents page up in front of me here. So we've got uh, ten chapters basically. It's a two hundred and seventy page book. Obviously, it's full color. The entire style of it is very comic book, as oh. you know you've seen. It's uh, yeah, I think it's yes. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like a coffee table yeah. comic book book. Oh, can I say by the way, I particularly liked that you got like different different chapters of different colors. I thought that was yeah. that was a very yeah. nice so it, design. So each chapter has a different sort of black background colour. Makes it so much easier. Uh, I, I also love the way that... Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Just to find where you are. I also are love the, the way our layout designer, uh, a guy called Nimrod Jones, is a Welsh guy, as you might Woo-hoo. guess from uh, from the name. Good man, good man. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's done some wonderful work with what? some sort of like comic strip examples of play and stuff um, yeah, that are sprinkled throughout the books. And uh, I don't... I don't know how he's done this. It's just done so well. But basically, you got like a, an example of character creation, an example of play, uh, a bit in the equipment chapter, and it's just this comic strip of a sort of character just sort of like equipping themselves, ready for ready for their first mission and stuff like that. And those those pages just look they just pop right out of you. It's gorgeous, yeah, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. But anyway, I'll shoot I'll shoot through the contents then. All right, so chapter one just got the introduction. Same sort of thing you get in most RPGs. Uh, there's a, what's an RPG? Example of play, a glossary, stuff like that. Um, uh, introduction to the various worlds of 2000 AD comes in chapter two. Um, so we briefly, I mean, you know, obviously this yeah. book is focused on <laughs> Mega City One, but we very briefly, we, we dive into, uh, what we've got. We've got ABC Warriors, Absalom, Ace Trucking mm. Company, Cabalistics, Inch, um, Defoe, DR and Quinch, Flesh, Indigo Prime, uh, Mac One, Necronauts, Nemesis the Warlock, Nikolai Dante, uh, The Red Seas, Robo Hunter, Rogue Trooper, Sinister Dexter, Slain, Strontium Dog, The Ballad of Halo Jones, and The VCs. The VCs. Yeah, of course, that's not necessarily the only things we're going to ever cover, but, you know, they're the ones we sort of squeeze into this chapter just to have a, you know, a very, very brief overview yeah. of the various different sort of properties of 2018. <laughs> Certainly enough to be getting along with for a little yeah. while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, they're all you know they're all going to be supplements coming later. They're not they're not described in any more detail in this book than in the yeah. sort of introductory chapter. Um, then we had the character creation section, uh, which is a good sort of seventy odd pages. Um, what sold as new character creation is mm-hmm. the, that's the system we're using is a career system. If you're creating a judge, for example, and uh, actually we've got a we've got a video on the on the website of um, a guy called Wax Steven who uh, who does a live stream called Warped for the What Sold as New oh. system, um, and he is I can I can reveal here going to be running a live stream of uh, Just Red and the Wars of 2018 very soon. Um, oh, assuming the Kickstarter meets a very very reasonable stretch goal. Yeah, so he's got a character creation video, which you can watch right now, just to see how to create a judge character. Um, but you can also create, obviously, a perp or a civilian. You select various careers. Oh, uh, you select an origin. It's a career. Uh, if you're familiar with Traveller, it's not a vastly... Dis- it's, you know, there's an inspiration oh, from Traveller there and an inspiration from um, early Ruff as well, where you take oh, various careers one at a time. So uh, a judge would take, for example, the cadet career, then they'll take some uh, academy curriculum careers, then they'll take the rookie career, then he might take, uh, I don't know, med judge or side judge or tech judge, 
And then he might go on to take some... He might even take the hot dog run. He might even do the hot dog run. And then he might go on to some specialty judge careers like a Holocaust judge or an exorcist (laughs) or a senior judge or, you know, various things like that. So uh, the system lets you sort of take careers one at a time to sort of like make building blocks, developing your character throughout his life. Yes. What I I would add that I very much liked when we were playtesting all that time ago was that the if you just if you don't pick a psi judge or a med judge or mm. a tech judge on those specialties there's still a load of different specialties that for a in inverted commas ordinary judge might pick yeah, it's like not a, just you like pick, a desk judge. It's, yes it, there's not a sort of you know none of the judge options are just the, the, the vanilla boring one or something they, they've all got some really cool interesting bits and pieces it's a lot of variety it is kind of fun kind of trying to make sort of some of the some of the the careers sort of viable sort of player careers like a desk judge you might at first blush sort of think yeah interesting good for an npc maybe but what player is going to want to do that but you're whacking a few interesting sort of exploits for that like their ability to requisition twice as much equipment as a regular judge just because they yes. know the bureaucracy mm. they know what paperwork to fill in yes. and stuff like that and give them a few little bits of his stuff and suddenly they become quite quite effective player characters while still remaining kind of on point as being a desk judge not Oh. you know well, i remember the uh, the old white dwarf april fool thing of, of years and years ago where they had the accounts department judges they had yeah. all detail for the gw one yeah yeah i remember that uh, one particular judge career but might be fun is the old wally squad there Ooh. yeah do you want to explain what the wally squad is there darren oh yeah the wally squad yeah basically the wally squad are the 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 pretty much the undercover judges mm. and they get to dress up in all kinds of roles and and jobs and they do all sorts of cool stuff. And they're a great story sort of character for, for a player because you can find them anywhere and they can be any kind of thing. They can be masquerading as, you know, backgliders mm. to try and get into an illegal smuggling ring yeah. or, you know, is there, there's an adventure. I think you look like Wally's. Top of my head. Which, um... squad judge. <laughs> um, so, and they do look like Wally's. That's the, that's the thing. If you go to, if you, if you look yeah, at images yeah. of Wally squad judges, <laughs> you'll see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, just to explain for our, our American listeners, uh, Wally would be a stupid person or one who's An just idiot. not very cool. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, by dressing like idiots, they merge in seamlessly with the population. Which are mostly idiots <laughs> in Mega City Wally. Well, Sorry, that's, our, <laughs> that, that's our character creation chapter. Lots of careers for judges, lots of careers for perps, and lots of careers for um, civilians. Now, is the game balanced to have a mixed party? Because that would be like something that one would assume would go well, straight away. Mechanic, mechanically, you can. Thematically, that might be a little more difficult, oh. sort of mixing judges yeah, and you can do what you perps want. and stuff into a party. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you can think of a, a rationale for it, go for it, whatever. There's no, oh. there's nothing mechanically stopping you do that. Uh, but but, but balance-wise, yeah, because you just basically got to assume that player characters... Yeah aren't typical mm. characters. They aren't the mm. seven billion people in Mega City 1. They're the special they're ones. They're the heroes of this adventure. Mm. So that's why it's perfectly okay for you to have a player character perp or a player character civilian who's the equal of a judge. Yeah. Because he's one mm. of the heroes of the story. Exactly. Yeah, so if you're perps, you're going to be more like the Angel Gang or, yeah, or yeah. like that, the ones that really stand yeah. out. You're not, you're not going to be just some random dunk pickpocket or something like that who's just going to be stomped on by the first judge you come across. You're, you're <laughs> Because you're a player character, you're a, you're a special perp. You're a special civilian. Although mm. there, there, is, there is a fun one-night possibility of, you know, you're, yeah, you're all yeah. perps. Let's see who can out, outrun Judge Dredd for the longest. You know, <laughs> and, uh, you can have a lot of fun with a, with a one-nighter. <laughs> yes, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Well, that, I, I always like the idea of uh, sort of running a perp yeah. career and you're just treating the judges as kind of like monsters almost. 
Like the, uh. the creatures, like the dragons of a Dungeons and Dragons game, the creatures you don't want to encounter. It's like, you're okay. You're fighting against rival gangs, maybe other mobs or something like that. But when a judge arrives on scene, you're like, yeah, it's Uh-oh. that kind of effect you get when you're doing D6 Star Wars. When you're fighting stormtroopers, it's fine. But if Darth yeah. Vader comes around the corner, it's head the opposite direction. Exactly, yeah. Nope, mm. right out there. Absolutely. <laughs> I, w- I wanted to put a little sort of nod to one of my favourite ex- exploit pairings in, um, oh. in in this game. It's uh, The street judge has a couple of exploits he can take. Exploits are just sort of uh, one-off um, abilities yeah. that you can use. Uh, the edges. Uh, maybe like... Oh. Yeah, or like feet uh, D&D or something like that. So uh, an exploit gives you a, a special ability or power you have or an advantage you have or a piece of equipment. It could be anything. So it could be your character gets a high-quality pistol. It could be your character can climb at the same speed he can walk or run. It could be could be like one of the two following ones I'm about to list. So I like um, the street judges, uh, amongst others, have uh, one called um, No Collateral Damage. Oh. Uh, which basically means normally when you're firing into melee, uh, you, you're going to suffer a penalty to do that because it's difficult to do. Say, Perp's got the um, woman as a hostage holding a gun to her head, and Judge Dredd uh, shoots this this exploit, no collateral damage, and uh, basically it means that you suffer no penalty to just shoot the guy in the head, despite the fact that he's holding a hostage or he's in melee with your friend or whatever. But that's not the fun bit. Oh. That's one exploit. The next mm. one is called mm. collateral damage. So instead of no collateral that. damage, we have collateral damage. And it's like sometimes maybe it is worth injuring your friend. And what happens is you can shoot through your friend <laughs> and you do damage to your to your friend or to the hostage or whatever. Is, but you do double damage to the perp. Yeah, so when 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 a perp is engaged in melee combat with uh, with your daystick wielding judge companion. Um, and you're there trying to get a bead on him and you can't quite do it, you can just say, what the hell? I'm just going to shoot through his arm anyway. <laughs> Bob, I've got a special ability. Don't use the special ability, John. Yeah, yes. No, no, Bob, it's great. I've got a special ability. <laughs> so, can, I, can I switch my lawgiver to high end? <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. It's right. I Plus got the, this. Well, come on, mate. I spent some points on this ability. I've got to use it sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, not on my character. <laughs> yeah, no, I, right I, I am fond of those. Um, Anyway, let's move on because we're whipping through the book here. Um, So the equipment chapter is next. Um, We've got 40-odd pages there. Uh, Includes, um, obviously, uh, sort of general gear, uh, weapons, uh, armour. Scum gas. Drugs, cybernetics even. A big section on vehicles, including, of course, your uh, lawmasters and your uh, power boards for your um, surf gliders. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very pleased to uh, see that the lawgivers have uh, all the uh, we've got the lawgiver in there want. obviously yeah, yeah. Uh, with its various it's different ammunition types which you can switch between mm. and I think we've done do you remember Andy when we were trying to this is about two years ago I think and we were in that caravan oh, yeah. out in the new forest and we were uh, uh, oh, yeah. playtesting the game and we were just trying all these different combinations of how each sort of um, ammo type should work so that each one you know, none of them are so overpowering yeah. that you're just going to switch it to high X and just keep it on that the entire time. Because yeah. that just defeats yeah, that, the entire point of it. And we were yeah, going that was through. one of the things I very much liked, yeah. that uh, we were all swapping around different ammo types yeah. and things. It wasn't yeah. one, you know, just what does the most damage is all you need. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah so you know, we, even at that stage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then we go on to the uh, just the sort of general play in the game um, uh, chapter, which basically explains the core mechanic, uh, which is uh, it's a dice ball system. Woo-hoo. You have an attribute. 
uh, and you have skills, and you can combine yeah. any attribute with any skill. So the GM yeah. might, uh, you might be climbing a wall, for example. The GM might yeah. call for an agility check, and you can, if you have the climbing skill, you can add your climbing skill to that. Or if you haven't, you're just rolling agility. Uh, the beauty of that system is it's, it's super simple and fast to use, but you can combine any attribute with any skill. So I've seen some really bizarre combinations where people have like combined intuition with engineering, you know, and it's, it makes perfect <laughs> sense at the time why we use why we use that particular pairing. And the GM makes the call, you know, what what att- what attribute and what skill are going to be used in this case, and you come up with all oh. sorts of different combos. Uh, so you, you you form a dice pool and then you roll to hit a target number. Um, it's a little more complicated than that with a sort of dice yes. cap and oh. uh, critical successes and things, but you know that's the that's the basic that's the basics of it. Uh, super quick and easy to use, it really is. Uh, in combat, uh, each character has two actions which they're free to use in any way they wish. They can move twice, they can fire twice, they can move and fire, they can fire and move, they can aim. I'm quite fond of the countdown pool. I, I love using it. So the way you use the countdown pool is uh, the GM sets a countdown. It might be, say, like a 4d6 countdown. And this is when you have a, an amount of time that you're counting down to, but you don't know how long that time is. Maybe yeah. there's a bomb that's going to go off sometime soon and you've got to accomplish a task before that happens. Or maybe, oh. you know, it's um, you're able to disable the um, uh, security uh, cameras for in a period of time, but you don't know exactly how long that is. Things like that. So it adds an element of tension to it. It's almost like a Jenga-like element of tension to it. So each round oh. or each minute or each hour or each day, whatever the uh, duration of the thing is, you uh, roll this countdown pool, which uh, might be 4d6. You'd roll those 4d6. If any come up sixes, you remove them, chuck them aside. And so, mm. say two of them came up sixes, you've got two left. The next round, or the next minute, or whatever, you roll those two d6, and it's like, phew, no sixes there. Okay, the next round, you roll them again. Oh, no, one's come up a six. I'm down to one dice now. Yeah. And you've got no idea when you're going to run out of dice. Mm. So even the GM doesn't know. You know, it's a, it's quite a tense kind of thing. And it mm. works so well to build tension in the game. Yeah, because you've got that, mm. that, that terror. If you've yeah, got a yeah. dice pool of 4d6, there is a slim mm. chance of rolling all sixes. There is. It's, yep. it's not likely, to be fair, but it, there, there, is, there is a chance. Oh, oh, yeah. There is the bottom. <laughs> but there is that chance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think that works really, really well. Right, chapter six, then. We move on to Mega City 1. Woo-hoo. We have a big old <laughs> yeah. chapter, about 30-odd pages, just describing like the history. I mean, you, you wrote this in chapter, and it's... Entirety, Darren. Yeah, I, think I this, even touched this. This, one. Was, uh, uh, this was a massive research. This was a massive research project. I went through tons of early two thousand AD stuff. Uh, this is novels. this is the stuff that's really going to appear also to like the non role players out there. Yeah, because when it's we were talking just like about a coffee table book, just you could just sit there and read about the city. You've got the history. Oh. You've got lists of dozens of locations. But yeah, I mean, you know, we've got like all sorts of things in Mega City One, and I went through a lot of early dread. Yeah, do you want to, do you want to call out uh, a few of your favourites, maybe? Um, let's have a look at the Gazetteer. You know, like you said, we've got the history, we've got the city, but then we've got the locations of Mega City One. An iconic mm. location, the Academy of Law. Uh, I mean, that is one of the most iconic ones. Yeah. You know, this is where the judges get trained. This is the toughest school mm. on earth. And that's in comics, that's in our write upon it. The Academy oh. of Law. And what I like about the Gazetteer as well, we've got bits in there to tell you how you can use the Academy of Law in the game and how you can use it as judges, mm. perps, and citizens. So, for instance, with the Academy of Law, you can have judges, you know, called in to supervise cadets. 
you could take mm-hmm. a group of rookies on a hot dog run. This isn't basically mm-hmm. to take them down to the, the corner place to pick up hot dogs. A hot dog run in Judge Dredd is you take these young, <laughs> enthusiastic rookies out into the cursed earth. And if they survive, they become judges mm-hmm. when they come back. If they don't, well, yeah. know, the cursed earth has got plenty of places for them to decay. <laughs> yes. So what, what, other, what other exciting locations have we got in here, then? Oh, the Black Museum. That's an interesting place. Uh, this is the most notorious solved case. Mm. So the city draws a lot of money, actually. I guess it won. From taking citizens around mm. there and making them pay to view the Black Museum. One of the prisons as well. I'm just thinking one of my favourites is Devil's Island. Uh, yeah, that's not, uh, a, that's not a good only, place to consent, is it? No, only the most violent, dangerous perps are uh, sentenced to Devil's mm. Island. And basically what it is, it's a giant traffic island with vehicles travelling non-stop down these <laughs> highways and megaways all day and night. And so if you try to escape, good luck. <laughs> You've got to cross roads where things are in excess of 400, 500 miles an hour <laughs> constantly. The Grand Hall of Justice, Empire State Building, you name it, we've we've pretty yeah, much got. I'm just looking, I'm just looking uh, through some of my sort of favourites in there. Let's have a look. You've, uh, the, yeah, the Mega City away. Chamber of Horrors, that looks fun. That- Yes. The movie special effects yeah. museum. I do like the idea of that one. Yeah. Uh, Statue of Judgment, the Agro Domes, the Transatlantic Tunnel, uh, the Jungle slash Ape Town, various alien That's tombs, right. That's a good one. Dream Palaces, ice, the ISO blocks, of course. And, uh, oh, yep. And if you were to sort of like venture outside Mega City One, what sort of locations could you find there? Well, uh, Cursed Earth for a one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's all the other Mega Cities as well. Yeah. So I'm very glad to see Britsit get to mention. Yeah, Britsit. <laughs> There's all the block stuff as well, which comes into the Apocalypse War. Uh, we've got Luna One. We've got Titan yep. Penal Colony, because there is a uh, Space Corps career available to judges. Yep. And then we've, then we've got a section of events here, a big old glossary of Mega City One terms. Yeah, uh, oh. that was fun to go through and uh, to find no, various things. No, nice nice little table of laws and uh, crimes and their sort of standard punishments. Uh, mm-hmm. What I like, what we've done about that is the GM screen has, uh, on the player-facing side of the GM screen, we've got those yeah. laws and their punishments, those crimes and their punishments, because that's oh, the sort of information. Any Just Dread game I've ever played, people have always stopped at that point and they go, oh, mm-hmm. right, what's an appropriate yeah, what punishment is, what for, is for, for scrolling. pickpocketing? Oh, should we, should we have a look in the book? You know, and that's that's the sort of thing you should have on hand, so it's going to be right on the front of the GM screen mm-hmm. facing the players. That's it. You, you, know, you catch uh, the likes of uh, chopper scrawling how much mm. time do you give him for scrawling one month absolutely two, you know two years and as a player yeah, you can just absolutely. look at it and go yeah it's one month and two years for scrawling perp uh so oh, uh, chapter seven we have a big old chapter on game master advice and this just tells you how to how to set up an adventure how to use props music yeah. different types of campaigns for judges perps and civilians types of scenarios i did like but, that know, bit i think i wrote some of that that was a re- that was really strong well, yeah, that was re- really strong. I like the advice, like uh, for the citizens, because to me it was not obvious how you would have like citizens be involved yeah. uh, mm. or have a, or have a part. Because we're looking at like basically thematically, it doesn't make sense to have a mixed party. So you want all perps, all ju- all citizens, or all. Then if you think, if you so, just think about what the, the citizens life, do? a life of a citizen in this insane city. Yeah. There's so oh. much going on. I mean, you could be a bunch of citizens trying to defend your block against a bunch of perps. Yeah. And, mm. you know, you might not see a judge 
for like six months yeah. because you know it's a it's a city of seven billion people. So you you got a good idea. It's crime ridden. It's got so much crime. Uh, right, so sort of moving on. Uh, chapter eight is uh, the crime. Oh, uh, this is basically it's it's not exactly a whole bunch of adventures, but it's a bunch of sort of adventure hooks and information Seems. on how you could run an adventure, sort of based around a whole bunch of different sort of um, ideas. Um, so you get a sort of information on like the setup and the sort of villains that might be involved, and you know, it's sort of like. One-page adventures, I suppose yeah, yeah. you could almost call them. Yeah, you? You've got your yeah. your one-sheet sort of thing yeah. that you've recommended in the GM advice. And, uh, yeah, and you take these and you sort of run your own sort of adventure based on the information found there. Uh, mm-hmm. But then we sort of go into a bit more detail and uh, we present an entire adventure in this book uh, called Ooh, State yeah. of the Empire. Yes, chapter nine. Good times. Yeah. So this is an adventure which can be played by judges, perps, or civilians, and uh, it involves entering uh, the old Empire State Building, which is now a just kind of uh, a comparatively small building in um, in Mega City One. Now, um, you know the Mega Blocks Tower tower over it, and uh, it's kind of like a sort of refuge for sort of a criminal gang and vagrants and stuff like that. And there's different reasons why judges or civilians or perps might be entering this building, and they'll have a different sort of agenda. Upon doing so. Uh, so we've got an adventure there, which, you know, any type of character can play. Chapter 10 is uh, the chapter called Foes. Um, so what we have here is um, instructions on how to create your own sort of NPCs, monsters, creatures, mutants, robots, all that sort of stuff. Sort of simplified sort of way to very quickly make a character, but it's because it's for an NPC, it's not in as much detail as, um, yeah. as, a, as a player character is. Could I just ask quickly, is the the generator for monsters that you created, is that compatible with this? Gener- uh, what, the What's All His New One? Yeah, yeah. Yes, in fact, I used it to make all the foes in this book. Fantastic. Well, we should probably put that in the show notes then, shouldn't we? It, it literally, it, literally, you can create a monster in sort of five seconds, or an NPC in five seconds. It's brilliant. And then we've got a best tree, yeah. Yeah, well, it's all the people. Uh, so this best tree contains, what's it got? we've got blaster turrets, blitz agents, citizens... City death, desk judges, drivers, elsters, elite blitz agents, experienced judges, heavy gunners, heisters, industrial robots, juve gang members, juve gang leaders, med judges, mob capos, mob enforcers, mob henchmen, mutant raiders, rogue psychers, petty criminals, senior judges, street judges, sky surfers, soft spies, taps, tech judges, vagrants and workers. And then we finish off with an appendix full of useful tables, handouts, like a lore master handout, yeah. a lore giver handout, uh, four pre-generated characters, and uh, some oh, character yeah. sheets. And it's grand. And there we go, that's yeah. the book. It's gorgeous. Hell of a book. Absolutely beautiful. So what I'll do is I'll quickly close off just by reminding people uh, the Kickstarter. 25th mm. of September, 5pm GMT, it will be launching. Um, it will run for yep. a month, but you want to get in early if you can. Uh, you can find out more information at worldsof2000adrpg.com. You can see a nice countdown timer there. You can There's a tab there with lots of news and previews of the game where you can sign up to get notified. Uh, all sorts of stuff. Um, so make sure you head over to worldsof2000adrpg.com and uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, one thing, as I did mention in our Kickstarter episode a couple of weeks ago, which we do uh, here at EM Publishing with Kickstarters, these books are done. 
Well, you're not going to have this yes. Kickstarter, and in a year's time, you're going to be going, Where, where's my book? And we're going to be saying, oh, yes, we're just getting some art in for Chapter 9 and stuff like that. Basically, what's going to happen is uh, when you back the Kickstarter, when it ends, as soon as the funds are cleared, we'll order the print oh. run, and we'll send it straight out to you. Yes, and I suppose we should add with, with stretch goals and things from the Kickstarter, those yeah. won't be if holding up anything. Sometimes you get a Kickstarter where however much is done, there's like, oh, now the stretch goal adds another chapter. Yeah, to the so book no, we're not we doing anything like that. The book's gone. We this can't is, change yeah. it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there will be the stretch. We do have a couple of stretch goals on that. And I, you know, I can remember yeah, yeah, what yeah. those are, can't I? Yeah, I remember what those yeah, are? Yeah, of course, Dan. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so we've got, there's the online character builder. Yeah. Uh, so the online character builder is uh, something I uh, am writing myself um, from scratch. It, yeah, it works. It needs a bit of polishing, uh, but it's pretty much done. That um, That is one of the stretch goals. Yeah, the next one we have is the six-month weekly live-streamed game hosted by GM of Doom or Wax yeah. Demon over the table. So, uh, oh, that's, which I think you've mentioned as part yeah, of Yeah, so he, he runs a lot of uh, online sort of live-streamed games, uh, some for D&D, some for, I believe it's, is it Masks, the superhero game? Yeah, he's, he's, he does yeah. a couple of what's old is new Ooh. ones, one called Warped, yeah, which is uh, a sort of sci-fi space opera one, and one called The Nameless Ones, which is a sort of dark medieval fantasy one with lots of demons and stuff in it. Um, so, yeah, so if we make that stretch goal, uh, he is going to be running a six-month uh, weekly, well, Just Dread, live-streamed campaign. Fantastic. And then the, uh, the last one, of course, closest to my heart, is the 20 pre-generated robot characters. Yes! Yeah. So, so we'll... Which I'm very glad to see. I, I fully expected those to, to vanish from the book for space, in terms of space. <laughs> so what, what we'll do with those is, um, they won't be in the book, but we'll uh. release those as a separate sort of PDF, which you can download and print off as sort of pre-gens uh. for, for the various um, Robot Wars adventures. Okay, so, yeah, so, uh, Worlds of 2080RPG.com, uh, see the countdown for the Kickstarter, uh, make sure you sign up to get notified. Is it competition time yet, Rust? Well, first of all, should we, uh, do, uh, last week's competition? Oh, yes, let's. So, the, the last week's question was, uh, which Wizards of the oh, Coast designer? what was the name? Yeah. Yes, what was the name of the Wizards of the Coast designer that was, uh, involved in Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica? Yes. And, and lots of Magic the Gathering stuff. Uh, so we got. Well, what was the uh, answer, Russ? Uh, the answer was, of course, James Wyatt. Yes. So Fantastic. we got an entry from uh, Dominic Aman. I hope I am pronouncing his name correctly, but we know from past Almost history that I pronounce nobody's name correctly. Um, he, he, <laughs> this he, is your he's, way. He, yes. uh, he's written, I am probably months late. No, you're not, Dominic. You are exactly on time. Um, but is the answer for Podcast 10 James Wyatt? Yes, Dominic. Yes, it is. We have our good friend, uh, Tyler McConnell. Hey, Tyler! And he says, Hi, Morris. Hi, Peter. James Wyatt is the creator of the Plane Shift articles and one of the authors of Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Uh, and then we have uh, Greg Ziegler throwing my name in the hat, as it were. The Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica mm. co-author is James Wyatt or some such. Mm. I am one of the hosts of the Grognards podcast. Less informative Ooh. than yours. Oh, I'm sure it's not. Uh, but uh, it just as friendly. Give us a try. Yeah, I think we pretty much... Uh, we're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to competence. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty sure I know less now than I did at the start of the podcast. So <laughs> this has been a negative information sink. <laughs> well, this is you know, one of the first international podcasts this time. Yeah. Live from China. <laughs> 
Well, no, what can I say? <laughs> uh, what, what was the prize? The prize was a touch of class, I believe. Seven new D&D yeah, yes. classes. Um, so um, I'll let one of, our, one of our guests choose the winner then. Have you got, do, do you have a dice to hand? Right. I'm using one of my Doctor Who D6s. Okay. Here Ooh, it comes. Fancy. Here's oh, the okay. roll. Here we go. I have rolled a six. Oh. So Greg Ziegler, you hey. are the winner. Yes. Um, you are the winner. Um, I'll email you to get your address and get your prize out to you. Uh, I just want to mention we've got a new patron as well. Ah, a new Patreon, which is oh, that's amazing. Which is rather rather amazing because uh, we've got two new patrons. We've got two new patrons. What? How exciting! Uh, we have. Um... <laughs> they're, they're not called Darren and Angie, are they? I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, so we have Jay, a new uh, five pound uh, five dollar patron. That's rather what? very generous, isn't it? Oh, I say. Oh, I'm all a flutter. You, you think that's generous? Bernie Monsanto is a fifteen dollar patron. Wow. I'll just rehinge my jaw. Thank you so much. I am, yeah, I am absolutely blown away. Thank you for both of you. Because we, you know, as, as, we, as we should use Birdie's name in a, in a Judge Dredd. That, that's a very. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what, Bernie? Bernie, email us. We'll, Bernie. we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do something Whatever. nice what? for you for that. I think that's, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's so generous. Yeah, as, as, as every mentioned before, if you head on over to Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash Morris. <laughs> Um, you can uh, back back our podcast. Uh, it does cost us money. We have to pay Daryl every month to do the sound engineering. We've had to buy sort of microphones and a mixer and other sort of bits and pieces. Um, and so, you know, please, please do, uh, you know, if you can, spare a dollar or two yeah. and just back our podcast and it'll just help us keep going and yeah. uh, help us sort yes. of uh, fund, fund the entire enterprise. The question this week is how many journalists has Malik turned into piles of dust? And I warn you, that might be a mild trick oh. question. Uh, oh. The winner will get, and they're going to get the grand prize of all, the winner will get a hardcover copy of Judge Dredd and the Worlds of 2000 AD. Wow. That, oh, yeah. got to admit, is quite a prize. <laughs> that is quite a prize. You will be yes. one of the first people in the world to see this book. You'll be the envy of your friends. Send your answer to uh, morrispodcast at gmail.com. Um, the closing time is, as usual, Sunday midnight GMT. And I look forward to hearing your answers and your commentary. Because I do like reading out the sort of little remarks that people make. Uh, we haven't done our favourite game in all the world. Do you want to do that? Uh, I, gentlemen, do Peter? you know the favourite game in all the world ever? The favourite game in all the Which world is, ever? guess the Kickstarter from the title alone. I read out the name of a Kickstarter to you and tell you nothing else. And the idea is you have to guess what that Kickstarter is. And then you win a number of points based on a uh, very scientific and extremely codified scoring system oh. that I have the um, created myself. Okay. Peter, what is House of Keys? Oh, that's an exciting one. <laughs> I read a really good graphic novel, which was all about basically keys that would open doors into places that the doors would not otherwise open to. So I think House of Keys... That is, that is what a key does, I suppose. No, no, it's a place that the door would not open into. Oh, I so see. It's like they sort of like... You use the keys and you open the place and it goes into a different place oh. than you should be going to. Or it has different effects. Okay. Um, I'm struggling to remember what it is. It was a fantastic comic book series. 
but I cannot remember off the top of my head. So that's the first thing that springs to mind. House of Keys. Yeah. It's um it's a house full of interdimensional mm-hmm. portals and you use keys to open them and go different places. Hmm. You How have you got um <laughs> minus ten points out of ten for that. Cool. You couldn't be cool. any further off. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So what's it about then? Tell um, me, I'm dying to know. It is a, a lawless, Slavic-inspired fantasy setting. Oh, yes. I do remember this yep. one. Uh, yeah, so it's by uh, Jim uh, Pinto uh, of uh, Postworld mm-hmm. Games. And uh, it's, a, it's a rich new fantasy world uh, called Iron Medusa. And this world spins uh, new legends and folklore while remaining rooted in uh, Eastern European cultures. Uh, House of Keys introduces that world through the lens of a doomed mansion infested with loathsome spirits where trapped adventurers have turned against one of each other in a fight for survival. Uh, House of Keys focuses on psychological horror. Yep, that's a gym game. Isn't it using his, uh, yeah, isn't it using his uh, King of Storms <coughs> system, I think? Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with the Protocol Squared system. Does anyone, anyone know anything yeah. about it? I backed it, and it's on my reading right, list, okay. and I still haven't got around to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who wants to go next? Who wants to go next? Uh, Andy, you want to give it a go? Okay. Go on and hit, hit okay. me with if, one. If you've backed it, tell me, and I'll move on to a different one. Yes. Uh, so what is, Andy, what is Rise of the Demigods? Oh, now that one I have I don't backed. think you would have done um, I've, I've, I've given I've, something away there. Yeah. It's a It sounds to me like oh, it's a one of some form. I would imagine. But, uh, uh, yeah, you're not a fan. Are well, you? I'm uh, not. Okay. I'm not against uh, D&D at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm going to imagine this is a new, probably not wizards because they don't tend to do kickstarters. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to imagine it is, you know, not path. So it's probably a third party mm-hmm. um, campaign module. Uh, possibly by the same people that did the folio, I would mm. guess. Something on those lines. Ah. <laughs> but, uh, and at a rough stab in the dark, I imagine there's some demigods and they rise. <laughs> and he's patented ability to win the competition by simply saying the title back in a different order. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's I'm... what you should have done, Peter. You said, yeah. you said oh, some keys in a house. Keys in a house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot more now, I couldn't now. tell you whether, whether the player characters will be responsible Responsible for the rise of these demigods, or be trying to stop the rise of these okay. demigods, but I imagine it's one of the two. Well, well, Possibly I'm going to give you five out of ten. Five out of ten. So, oh, uh, you are correct in that it's D and D, but I think I gave that away, so I'm not sure you should. I'm not sure you deserve <laughs> the points for that. Um, and the, 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 the PCs neither uh, cause or prevent the uh, rise of the demigods; they are the demigods. Oh. Uh, so this is uh, the first in a series of adventures for the 5th edition setting of Godsfall. The characters take on the roles of young demigods, which are then introduced to the world of Calgun uh, before the destruction of the Gods' War. So it's sort of like D20 Scion, really? Um, both, yeah. That, that sounds like the ultimate G- GM and annoying player thing. It's like, uh, hey guys, you're all going to play demigods. Brilliant. What, like epic level? Yeah, this is going to be amazing. Okay, what happens when we start with other characters? Okay, there's a big war and everyone's trying to kill you. Oh, son of a... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Darren. Darren, it's your turn. Uh, So, so far, Andy is in the lead with five out of ten because Peter has minus ten out of (laughs) ten. This is like the patented sort of QI scoring system, you see. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's it's winning by just not losing. <laughs> uh, so okay, 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 Darren, what is what is what is what is the year of Cthulhu? Ooh, no points Cthulhu. for saying Cthulhu. <laughs> the clues are the title. Uh, well, yeah, obviously, it sounds as though obviously it's. I mean, Cthulhu tends to be what Chaosium, Modiphius. Um, it does. I'm not that clued upon Cthulhu. I haven't uh, haven't looked at Cthulhu stuff for a while. Well, this makes this the ideal question. Indeed, you, indeed, then, it. Um, Hedging intensifies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What could it be? It sounds like almost like a, a kind of massive adventure path or something similar that that focuses on like a whole series huh? of adventures set over huh? a year. In, in so I see you're looking at me, trying to discern no, from my I'm, face uh, whether or not you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're getting close or not. <laughs> <laughs> my, my... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with something along <laughs> those lines. I mean, the year of Cthulhu speaks to me something on, you know, along okay. the pick story set with Cthulhu for a year of the, the peace investigation. Okay, right. Yeah. So give it, no given the sort of caveat it. that you get no points for saying Cthulhu, uh, so you get you get no points for that. Uh, unfortunately, Darren, I have some bad, bad, bad news for you. You've got unfortunately a minus three hundred and ten points out of ten for that. Yes. Um, oh, I feel I'm in with the I think it might now. have been a, a, a slightly <laughs> mischievous sort of trick question on my part because although this is an RPG yeah. podcast, the year of Cthulhu is. Cthulhu isn't a Cthulhu-themed calendar. Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, that is actually quite cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does look quite Ooh, awesome, actually. Before. I'm looking at some of the sort a of pictures here. And, um, <laughs> I'm really tempted. It's a 2019 character. A character? 2019 calendar. Um, hopefully hopefully the Kickstarter will fulfill in time then, because um, that's not the sort of Kickstarter you want to yeah, yeah. delay on, uh, so that you have it in time for the 1st of January. Um, it's by Comic Games, a Cthulhu-flavoured calendar for 2019 featuring the uh, the fantastic artwork of, of I'm going to uh, um, very competently pronounce someone's name here, uh, Evgeny Maloshenkov. Oh, I think I know oh, okay. him. He might have done... Uh, I think he's uh, one of the guys who did some work for my cabal. Oh, okay. So, so you know uh, what the art looks like then? Uh, yeah, I would guess it's it's on a he's got a very similar to Slay Industries kind of style, I believe. Um, it's, it's all full colour. Right? Um, I'm not sure what Slay Industries art is like, so uh, I couldn't say. But uh, yes, yeah, quite twisted and futuristic type yeah. things. In some it, it, it notes here uh, uh, intriguingly <laughs> that the calendar provides twelve images. That's surprising. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting approach to a calendar. Yeah, that's why it goes into December. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think yeah, I think the winner of uh, of uh, our favourite game in all the world this year this this year this week is Andy with his five points out of ten. Andy, oh, your nice prize work. is the satisfaction of knowing that you've defeated these two losers. <laughs> that is that is prize enough for me. Castle I can see the faces of defeat upon, on the on the Skype channel as I as I watch in gloating joy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can, oh, I'm only sad that Angus wasn't there to challenge. <laughs> well, you see, Angus can't play because right. uh, he writes the column we base this off, the Kickstarter column. He knows all the answers in advance. That is the end of the podcast this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. It has been a pleasure delivering to you no useful information whatsoever in as incompetent a manner as we possibly can. 
Exceptions apply for Andy Peregrine and Darren Pierce, who have, if anything, upped our professional standards to hitherto unforeseen depths. <laughs> yes, indeed. Depths. Words. Um, words. I do words good. <laughs> it's goodbye from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter. It's goodbye from me, Andrew. <laughs> and it's goodbye from him. I mean me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening uh, we'll see you again next week thanks for listening goodbye mm, that was the best podcast yet no I'm just joking it was awful the dog that was howling outside my bedroom window last night would have done a better job I'm considering swapping Russ and Peter's heads just to see what will happen. Do let me know next week if you notice any difference.